at Dodger Stadium. So uh, if you're a baseball fan, if you love the Dodgers, I guess uh, Clayton Kershaw will actually be sharing his testimony today. And so uh, if you don't have anything going on this afternoon, go check that out. Um, hey, we got a couple of things I want to let you know about before we jump into the Word this morning. First is this. Um, we have a group of guys that are going to Haiti uh, in just a few weeks, actually. And so uh, if you guys are in the room this morning, would you stand up? In fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you stand up and then actually come join me up front. We're going we're gonna to put you on display this morning a little bit. Come on up, you guys. Um, so... Th- Brian has been doing work in Haiti now for, for a little while, and um, he's had an opportunity even here at Thrive to share uh, about the, the work that God's put on his heart to do. And so earlier this year, him and I were meeting, we've been talking about missions, and, and, uh, and he had asked, hey, can, at some point, would you be interested in going to Haiti with me? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'd love to go. Um, but we weren't sure if it was going to happen this year, and then uh, the doors opened for us to be able to go, and and then the Lord started stirring in some other guys' hearts. And so the reason that you may, maybe you're hearing about this for the first time is we didn't ever advertise, hey, we're going on a missions trip. Really what happened is God stirred some people's hearts. And, and just hearing, overhearing the conversations I was having with Brian came and said, wait a minute, I'd like to be a part of that. Um, and uh, I know that the Lord even connected Tom and Brian while I was out of town, and I heard about that, and I approached Tom. And so there's some great stories. By the way, Jason Vasquez, who was on the video and is back with our kids this morning, he's going as well. And then Brian has a friend named Paul who lives in, uh, in North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, who will be joining us in Haiti as well. And so we're going to go and work with the orphanage there. We're going to spend some time uh, ministering to pastors. We have a number of engagements lined up to encourage pastors and do some equipping for pastors. And so we're excited about that. Um, but we want to let you know for a couple of reasons. First of all, this, would you partner in prayer with us? Uh, Haiti is not an easy nation to visit. Uh, there's a lot of work that's needed there. And, uh, and it takes a toll. Uh, when you go to Haiti, I, I've traveled in, to a number of nations around the world. Um, Haiti is the one that's most impacted me. Uh, I've never been to a place like Haiti before. And it really impacts you uh, on so many different levels. And so as a team, we want to be ready for everything that God has for us. But even as we come home, that God would sustain us in that. So we covet your prayer. Um, but we are also raising funds for this trip. Um, we, don't have, uh, we didn't have a huge window of opportunity, and thankfully the, the cost to go to Haiti is not as high as like Africa. Uh, the cost for this trip is $1,500 per person, and if you're friends with any of these guys on Facebook or Instagram, you've seen their posts about uh, uh, raising money for this trip. But uh, if you would like to contribute and give towards this trip, I first of all ask you to pray and ask the Lord to direct you in that. Um, but if you'd like to partner in that, you can either give uh, by cash or check and just indicate that it's for Haiti on the envelope, or you can go online and uh, on our uh, online giving, thriveglendora.org, and just look for Haiti Initiative, and uh, we'll be able to direct those funds to this team and to the work that God's doing. Sound good? Amen. Can we say thank you to these guys? They're stepping out in faith, some of them for the first time, um, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to bringing you lots of updates. Thanks, guys. Um, by the way, Jason Vasquez, um, this is a huge step for him. Not only has he not been on a mission trip like this before, he's actually never flown on an airplane. 
And so um, I made sure that my seat is right across the aisle from him so I can watch him the whole time. Um, should be a lot of fun. And of course, we want to keep praying for our nation. Uh, Hurricane Irma has redirected a little bit. Uh, uh, Megan's uh, stepmom lives in just outside of Fort Myers, Florida, and she actually evacuated uh, earlier this week, got out before the traffic. Uh, and so she's up in the panhandle, northern part of Florida. But a lot of people just bracing for this storm. And then even the next one coming, uh, Hurricane Jose, uh, folks in Florida, I mean, in Texas, still recovering. And uh, you want to check out, we, we'll have some, some things on our church Facebook page, but even Foursquare, you want to look at the disaster relief and some of the work that's taking place in Texas. And I know they're gearing up to be ready to, to help in Florida. Uh, in fact, if you have any questions about that, ask Pastor Abby. Wave. She actually uh, works part-time downtown with our with our chaplains and disaster relief. And so um, so thankful for a church family that is ready to go and help people. Uh, there's churches, Foursquare churches in Texas that are helping people rebuild their homes already. And so good things happening. Can we pray for our nation this morning? Lord God, we thank you that you are in control, Lord. And even as Maria was de declaring this morning, uh, Jesus, your name is above all, all else. Your name is greater than hurricanes and gale force winds. And so, God, this morning we declare of a hurricane, Irma, that it would just dissipate. Lord, that it would lose its strength, that it would go from that category four to a category three, down to two, down just to a tropical storm. And, Lord, that it would lose all of its oomph. And, God, uh, that, that homes and lives would be spared. God, we pray for continued uh, peace and blessing over the folks in Texas that have experienced loss and damage and are still just trying to assess what to do uh, with what's left, Father God. And we just ask that there would be miraculous provision. But Lord, more than that, you would co connect lives. And Lord, that there would be people who would come to know you because of this tragedy. Uh, Lord, I pray that, that what has been stolen from them would be returned 10 times, 100 times, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to speak this morning on a message I'm entitled, Near to God. Near to God. I don't know about you, but, but most mornings I wake up at 100 miles an hour. You know what I'm talking about? I wake up and my mind is already racing. I'm, I'm so far throughout my day. You know, I'm, I, I just opened my eyes and I'm already thinking about the stuff I need to get done this afternoon. Anyone else? Can you relate to that? Right? There's just stuff that's happening, things to do, decisions to make, problems to solve, stress to cope with, kids to get ready for school, houses to clean, last-minute homework assignments to finish. That's no one here, right? No one does that. Um, money to be made, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And I don't know, sometimes, sometimes my to-do list and the stress of life actually creeps into my dream life where I find myself dreaming about this stuff that I need to get done before I even wake up. Anyone, anyone relate to that this morning? All right, so I'm not alone in this. We wake up at 100 miles an hour, and the reality is we all, every one of us, have things that are pressing on us every single day of our lives, things that just need to get done, right? There's those things in your life that that's, no one else is going to do for you, am I right? There's things that you just know I've got to get take, taken care of. And so there's just this constant pressure. But here's the, the truth. And I love this. My friend uh, Jim 
Mayhew said this last year during a prayer time. He said, here's the reality. It was in relation to someone's back hurting. He said, the reality is that this person's back is hurting. The truth is we serve a God who heals. And I love that. That just actually, it rocked my, my perspective of who God is. See, because we sometimes deal with reality and we forget the truth. We deal with reality and we forget the truth. The reality is we all have things that are pressing us on us every day. The truth is this. We can't make sense of, excuse me, this is coming loose here in the back. We can't make sense of or face our day in our, in our own strength. We all have things, the reality is we all have things that are pressing us on us every single day. The truth is that I can't face those things in my own strength. I just don't have it to give. I can try, but I'm not going to get very far. See, we are designed to rely on God. It's just built into us that God is intended that we would rely on him in all things, that we would rely on him in all things. And we can't rely on God if we're far from him. You can't rely on someone if they're not close to you, if you don't have a relationship with them, if you're not in their proximity, right? We can't rely on God if we are far from him. And the great thing is this, is that God is never far from us. He's never far from us. He's always right there. He's always waiting for us. But I can be far from God, especially on those days when I wake up and my mind is so far down the road already that I fail to stop and acknowledge the Lord, that I fail to stop and ask him, God, what do you have for me today? When I fail to stop and draw near to him. Some days the thing just doesn't cooperate. All right. In Luke chapter 5, verse 15 through 16, we find Jesus in an encounter with some people, it says this, the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came near, came, came to hear him and, and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See, Jesus had a busy life. Jesus had a lot of people expecting a lot from him. And the more they heard about him, the more lives were impacted, the more people kept showing up and wanted to be with him. Jesus, we need you to speak to us. Jesus, we need you to teach us. Jesus, we need you to touch us so we can be healed. Jesus, we need, to answer, you, need you to answer these questions. And in the midst of the busyness and, and, and the pressures of the ministry that Jesus was doing, he stopped often. And withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why lonely places? Because there's no one there. There's no distraction. Right? Anyone else easily distracted? All right? I'm so easily distracted. And I'm distracted by weird things. If I'm sitting in my office by myself and it's totally quiet, that's the place I'm most distracted. Because I'm distracted by my own brain. My own thoughts get me off track. I actually do better sitting at Starbucks where there's a little bit of background noise and people kind of moving around. And for some reason, I get focused. So we all get distracted by different things. And so we have to get to a place where we're not distracted. Whatever that is 
for you, wherever you can focus. Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Why? Because the ministry he was doing would not be effective if he wasn't spending time with his father. The ministry that Jesus was doing would not have been effective if he wasn't spending time with the father. Why? Because Jesus himself said, I don't do what I want to do. I only do what the father tells me to do. And if I'm not spending time with the Father, I'm not going to hear His voice. And I'm going to press on with my day and try and do things my way. See, every day I get up, every morning when I get up, I have a choice to make. And the choice is this, the decision is this. Will I do things Barry's way today? Or am I going to do things God's way today? And you face that same choice every morning that you get up. Will I do things my way today, or am I going to do things God's way today? And, and here's the truth of this. They're not the same. My way is not God's way. There's not been a single day in my life as I've walked with the Lord where my way and God's way seem to be the same thing. Even on my best days. Because when I come to the Lord and I surrender myself before Him and I spend time in His presence and I hear His voice, that He starts speaking to me, He starts directing me, He guides my steps, He tells me how to deal with things, how to walk things out, how to talk and have that conversation, down to the very practical things that the Holy Spirit will direct every step of my day if I will stop and ask Him, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to walk this out? And so here's what I'd like to do today. I'd like to equip you with some tools and language. Today is an equipping day. I want to equip you with some tools and language. And, and this, quite honestly, is just coming out of what God has been speaking to me this week. And so I'm just passing this on. Um, in fact, it was just a few days ago that, that this word, prep, dropped into my heart. I was actually having a conversation with Robert, and, and we were just talking about our devotional lives and, and just the fact that we need to be with God every day. And I've I got to be honest, that's been a struggle for me my whole, the whole time I've walked with Jesus since I was a kid, because I've, I've viewed it as a, as a burden, as a chore, as a box to check in my day. And it was this week, and, and the Lord's been teaching me and, and growing me in that, but it was this week where I found some breakthrough, and I believe it's something that God has for our church. So the tools and the language I want to give to you, I believe is something that we're going to keep hearing over and over and over. But this is, this is really fresh for us today, um, but I know this, that in the future of Thrive Church, you're going to hear this word prep a lot, and I'm going to unpack that for us a little bit. We all know what it means to prepare for something, because we do it every day. You do it without thinking, right? Whether it's getting up and, and preparing your clothes, what clothes am I going to wear? And so you prepare and you make sure. Uh, if there's something you have to wear tomorrow, you make sure that it's clean today, right? That it's ready, at least that's, that's the idea. Excuse me for a second. Really having trouble today. Give it one more minute, and then I'm going to grab the handheld. All right. I think we're good. 
If you're going on a trip, uh, the, the guy's going to Haiti. We had a meeting this week, and one of the things we talked about is what kind of preparations do we need to make? What do I need to go shopping for? Uh, what, what kind of uh, packing, you know, what kind of things do I need to pack? What shots do I need to get? Uh, what kind of shoes should I wear, right? And so, so before we go, we're going to prepare the things that we need to take. If, if you're going to cook something, if you're going to cook a meal, any foodies in the house? Anyone love to cook? Right? If you're going to prepare a meal, you're going to first prepare and make sure you have the right ingredients. Otherwise, you've got to run over to the store right, and make sure that you get, you make sure that you have everything ready. You get your kitchen ready. You have all the instruments and all the tools and all the knives and, and every, all the implements you need to do, produce that meal. Or if you're doing a project, I was working on a fuel pump on our car yesterday, and so before I pulled the fuel pump out of the tank, uh, I made sure I had the right tools. One of those tools was a fire extinguisher, right, because I'm working with gasoline. I made sure I had the right tools available to me so I could do the job that I needed to get taken care of. Or if you're in athletics, if you play a sport, right, you don't show up to the game and go, okay, let's get a quick practice in. You prepare yourself and you get ready uh, the days and the weeks and the months leading up to the first time you step onto the field or into the court or into the ring or whatever it would be to play that game or have that match. You prepare. And so we do preparation every day of our lives. We prepare for exams and for tests. At least we should prepare for exams and for tests. See, now what's so amazing to me is something that we do every day of our lives in so many different ways. When it comes to our relationship with the Lord, we fail to do so often. At least that's been my experience in my life and my walk with the Lord. See, because when, when I was growing up, and I shared this already, this has been a struggle for me since I was a kid. It was, it was communicated this way. You better spend time with Jesus every day. You better do your devotions right? Which is a true statement, but the way that it was communicated was like, okay, I better do this thing, right? You better, you better check this box. You better make sure that you're, you're getting this out of the way because this is what good Christians do. People who love Jesus do their devos, right? People who love Jesus do their devos. So any day that I would miss doing my devos, guess what? As a kid, I felt this condemnation that I no longer Jesus, loved Jesus and he no longer loved me. But that's not the heart of God for us. That's not what that daily time with Jesus and with the Father is about. It's about aligning our hearts. It's about drawing near to God. It's about spending time in his presence and falling more in love with him. And I think if we would change our language a little bit and approach it from that perspective, you know, Jesus would love to spend time with you because he loves you. And there's things that he wants to communicate to you and he wants to impart to you and he wants to help you get prepped for your day. He wants to prep you for the things that are coming, the things that are ahead. Now, I'm not a morning person. Anyone else? Not a morning person. I'm definitely a night owl. I love to stay up. Um, but I'm realizing this more and more. And I've actually said from this pulpit, spend time with Jesus or do, read the word 
during the part of the day where you're at your best. And, and, and I still believe that. But I do believe, and this is where God is kind of shifting things in my heart, if I wait till the afternoon or the evening to spend time with Jesus, there's a whole part of my day that's missed the wisdom and the insight and the discernment and the direction that I need from the Lord. Does that make sense? And so there is something super practical about spending time with Jesus in the morning about taking time, setting time aside, and spending time with him. Here's the other thing I had a hard time with. My devotions literally consisted of, okay, how many verses do I have to read? Let me read those verses, and let me, and then I'll be done. And that might say a little prayer. And then hope something sticks. Well, because of even some of the things I've been sharing over the last few months in our Unstuck series, and even prior to that, I realized that the, the component that was really missing in my devotional life was not reading the word. It was prayer. It was this devotion, this commitment to prayer and engagement in prayer that changes how I read the word, that ultimately changes me. And so I'm going to unpack that a little bit. I hope this is relating to you. And, and by the end of this, I've got a lot of verses to share, and we're going to walk through some points uh, and each of those letters, P-R-E-P, will kind of unfold for us, and I'll give you some actionable steps. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. James chapter 4, 1 through 10. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. It says this, What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, and some translations say yearns, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. James is dealing with some tough stuff here. In our pre-service prayer time this morning, Christy was asking, what is it that God's been doing in your life? And, and, and we heard some great things, encouragement, right, healing. There's things that God is doing. And, and I was like, uh, for me, it's been conviction, 
Because sometimes God touches our lives, our lives in a way that doesn't make us feel good. It's meant to challenge us, that he wants to stretch us, that he wants to bring us to a place of, of increased maturity, that he wants to actually get rid of some stuff in your life and in my life. Did you know that? God actually wants to remove some things from your life that don't belong. And usually the places that God wants to touch and remove things from me are the things that I cling to the hardest, the things that I want to hang on to. And so there's three sections in this passage that I want to address. The first section, verse 1 through 3, he really unpacks for us what doing it on our own looks like. Because I said, every day when I get up, I have to choose, will I do it Barry's way or God's way today? And so these first three verses really deal with my way. This is what doing it my way looks like. And he uses some really strong language. Why are there fights and quarrels? Why is there disunity? There's a battle going on inside of you. And that battle is, when he says the world, he's not talking about the things out there. He's talking about what's in us, the things I want the worldliness inside of me, the ideas that I have that, that I think are better than what God has for me. And there's this battle that wages inside of me. I don't have what you have. I want what you have. And I get jealous and I fight and I do things and I, I sow seeds and I manipulate so that I can get what I want. Why? At the end of the day, so that I will have pleasure. And what is that pleasure? I just want to feel good. I want my life just to feel good. I want everything just in my life just to be perfect. I don't want any stress. I, I, I want everyone to cater to me. I want to be taken care of. And the, the problem with that is, is at the end of the day, if I do it my way, I'll do whatever I need to do to make that happen. I'll do whatever I need to do to make that happen, and so will you. Now, you might be able to gloss it over a little bit, make it sound nicer, but we do this daily because of this war that wages inside of us. And right in the middle of that verse, those three verses, he says this, comes down to this. You don't have stuff, not because you're not working hard enough or because someone else t took it from you or, 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 or life's not fair or my boss doesn't like me. The reason we don't have is boiled down to this very one thing. We're not asking God. We're not asking God. We don't ask him, God, hey, here's what's on my heart. God, I'm asking you to, to meet these needs. God, I'd, I, I, I'm seeing a direction in my life. With, I, I feel like my life is supposed to go, and I'm asking that you would make that a reality or, God, do what it is you need to do. But we don't have. Why not? Because we don't ask God. And so we get stressed out, and we strive, and we put me first, me first, me first. And it's the reason we wake up going 100 miles an hour. It's because I got to get ahead today. I got to get some things done. I got to make people think that I'm on top of it, that I'm not slacking, that I measure up, that I'm good enough. I want people to think better of me, me first. And he jumps into that second section. He says, as we do this, and he starts out with adulterers, you adulterers. What is an adulterer? 
It's someone who's supposed to be connected intimately with one person and leaves that person and goes and finds other people. We become adulterers to God because God's saying, I have given my life for you. I paid the price so that you can walk in intimacy with me daily. Yet we go after the things of the world and we look to people and we look to to, to finances and we look to politics and we look to whatever it is, fill in the blank and say, that's the thing that's going to meet the needs in my life. And God says, no, 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 I'm that person. And so we adulterate our hearts before the Lord. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And we choose in that decision to say, God, I'm choosing this over you. I'm choosing my way, my thoughts, my plans, my desires. I'm choosing those things over you. And God, if you can just neatly fit into my life in the way that I'd like you to fit into my life, that would be great. Can I just tell you that's not the way that God works? Because he loves you too much. Can I tell you that again? It's not the way he works. Why? Because he loves you too much to let you just get away with what you think is best for your life. Is that easy? No. But if we can engage God in that kind of way, It will change everything for us. He says, do you think the scriptures have no meaning? And I love this. God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. He yearns. God yearns to be close to you. God yearns that his spirit would fill you up and draw you closer to him every single day of your life. He yearns, he longs, he desires. When Megan and I were dating, there was a Christmas break. We were just, just started dating, and I wanted to be with her all the time, probably too much, she would say. Um, but I just wanted to be with her all the time. And, uh, and she had gone home for Christmas, and I was going home for Christmas, and our trips overlapped. In fact, uh, we were both at LAX within within minutes of each other, but she had already left. She had been there on her way to Michigan to a, a family event, and I was coming home from Washington from visiting my family, and, and so we were both on the same airline, and I knew she had been in that terminal, and this sounds really weird, but I actually, like, I went to the gate where she had boarded her plane and just kind of hang out there for a minute, Because I was like, she was here. She was here. That was kind of creepy, but. um, (laughs) And I was a weirdo, but it all worked out. Um, But I just knew this. I wanted to be with her. And if I couldn't be with her, I wanted to be in the place that she had just been. And over the next couple weeks, I was actually driving her car. And I loved, I was like, oh, this is her car. And. Wow, right? She, she turned that, that volume dial on the radio, and um, yeah, I know, it, it does. It, it can get kind of weird, but, but, but you know what I'm talking about. When there's someone you want to be with, and when you're not with them, you yearn. You long to be with them. There's no one else I'd rather be with. 
And so when you're away, you long to be back. The Spirit of God yearns. The Father yearns. He's passionate about what He's placed in you, the Spirit in you, to connect with Him, to be close to Him. This is His desire. This is what He wants. He wants that the Spirit in us would be faithful to him, to not run after the other things of the world, to find the other things that, that seemingly satisfy and draw us away. His desire is that we would be faithful to him. We see that in the Old Testament with Israel. His desire, listen, would you just be faithful to me? Would you just love me and no one else? If you would do that, your lives would be so blessed. But if you go out looking for other people and other nations and other idols, I can't bless you, so just come and be with me and love me, and I'll bless you. The same heart extended to us. And then in that third section, he says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. Why? Because I get in the way of me. When I get up in the morning and my mind's going 100 miles an hour, and I'm already on step 50 of the day, and I don't stop to be with the Lord. I get ahead of myself and I become prideful because I start figuring out how do I need to deal with the issues of my life? How do I need to walk through this? What do I need to do? And I, 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 and I is just always coming out of my mouth. God says, humble yourself and draw close and be in my presence and ask me what I would like you to do, not what you think is the best because God's ways are infinitely better than the very best I have to offer. Come close to God and God will come close to you. And we understand this, God's never far away, like I said, but I am. And the second that I say to God and I initiate and say, God, I want to be close to you, he's there. He's there. There's no cooling off period. There's no... God going to me, you know, it's been about a week since you last talked to me, so I just need a minute, right? I just need some space. The second that we reach out to God and say, God, I want to draw close to you, he meets us in that moment. And he says, I'm there for you. I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. It's practical. Cleanse your hand, you hands, you sinners. God, get rid of the junk in my life. Get rid of the stuff that separates me from you. Help me to be humble. Help me to make that first move and reach out to you. So I want to talk about this word prep. Because I think from this scripture we understand this, it's important to be in the presence of God. Because if I'm not the world, the world inside of me and the world in here wins. And it's not a good victory. So these four letters, P-R-E-P, they each stand for something. The first is this, pray. This is what I'm going to start doing in my devotional life and my time with Jesus in the morning. And I believe that God's got something here for our church and for our community. That we would come to the word of God in the morning and, and you know, I, I need a cup of coffee in the morning to get going. Anyone else? Right? And not just a cup of coffee, like a good cup of coffee. Like it's got to be a good cup of coffee. And I'll sit down and, 
And most of the time, I kind of pull up the reading plan and figure out what the reading for that day is, and I just jump right into the Word. And what I heard from God this, this week was this, slow down, slow down. And would you just take a few minutes first to pray? Before you come to the Word, would you pray? Would you just talk to me? When I walk in in the afternoon and I've been gone all day, the thing that Megan wants the most is that I will just sit and talk with her. Because I come home from work and I want to jump into the house. I'm like, okay, there's things I need to get done. Or, hey, I'm tired and I just need to go sit on the couch. Leave me alone. She's going, can you just come and sit? And, and, and she's like, even if I'm in the kitchen, just sit, just sit in the chair right there and just talk. And let's have conversation and let's catch up and let's talk about our day. God just wants to spend some time talking to you. You can't be intimate and close to someone if you never have a conversation. And what we do so often is, well, I have a prayer time, right? And my prayer time is like from 4.30 to 5 o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I pray. And God's going, hey, I want to I talk with you all, all day. And you're like, hey, listen, God, 4.30 to 5. Uh, I'll meet you from 4.35, that's the time that I pray, and so I'll, I'll meet you then. And then we get from 4.30 to 5, if we keep the appointment, we fill that time with letting God know what we need from Him. And God's going, but I want to, yeah, but, and then Lord, can you make sure, boom, 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 and at 5 o'clock, we hang up the phone and go on with our day, and God's going, but there's some things I wanted to say to you. And so we have to slow down, we have to get off the freeway. Slow down from 100 miles an hour and pray, and pray this way. And I'm going to have some points. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. The first thing is this. We need to magnify. We need to magnify God. We need to magnify Him. Why magnify? That, that word always confused me when I was a kid. We used to think, oh, magnify the Lord. And I'm like, what? Because right? I had a magnifying glass that I used to burn ants with, right? Because <laughs> that's what they're really used for. Um, but what is, what is magnify? Well, magnify is to make something bigger. And when, when the stuff of my life fills my, my perspective, my peripheral vision is just all of the things I need to get done, God just is kind of off on the side. And when I magnify God is I move him from this peripheral place to, to, to right front and center, and then I just bring him close. So that all I see is him. All I see is who he is. And, and, and as scripture says, let right, everything else fades away. So we magnify God and that's just simply, God, I praise you. You're so good. You're an everlasting God that you're merciful and you're just. And you just speak praise to God. And, and there's something about doing this out loud. This is a theme that we're hearing in our church, where that we pray and we praise out loud. When you're praying and praising God, do it, do it out loud. Because your own hear, ears hear your words and your faith is built. So magnify God. Honor Him. See His majesty. Remember that He is God and you're not. I need that reminder you need that reminder. He is God and you're not. That happens when we magnify him, when we put him in his rightful place. Psalm 29, 1 through 2 
says to this, ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name, worship the Lord in the splendor of your holiness. I got to tell you, if we would just do that, our lives would be radically changed. If we would get out of bed in the morning and just start speaking the praise of God, our lives would be radically changed. I completely guarantee this. Second is this, cast your cares. Cast your cares. Psalm 55, 22, and 1 Peter 5, 7 talk about this. 1 Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Listen, what an awesome invitation. We wake up at 100 miles an hour, and we're already anxious. Anyone? Right? I'm anxious about stuff that hasn't even happened, that might not even happen, and I'm like... <gasps> And God's invitation to us is take those anxieties and throw them on God. Come on. Here, they're yours. Cast them on. And and it's not a flip or trite kind of thing. But he's saying, you aren't designed to carry those things. I am. So would you give them to me? So, so, So magnify him and then cast your cares. Whatever it is that's stressing you out, would you just start there and say, God... This is what I have in front of me. I'm just going to give this to you right now. I'm just starting out this time with you just saying, this belongs to you. This isn't mine. I'm casting this on you. We move on to this next point. Make your requests known. Make your requests known. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious. There's that word again. About anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, represent your requests to God. What's the difference between the making the requests and the casting the cares? The cares are just the things that stress me out, the things I'm anxious about. But there's requests, there's things that I just legitimately need to ask God about. Make your requests. God, here's what's on my heart. Here's what I'm dealing with. Lord, there's some issues in my health. There's issues in my finances. There's some relational things going on. God, I, I, I need you to work in this. I need you to move. Uh, and, and, I wanna, and, and I love that he says here, Paul writes here, don't be anxious about anything, which means anything. And in every situation... Anything and every, I think that covers all of the bases. Would you agree? But how often we go, God, I got this one. I'll, I don't want to bother the Lord with this. In everything and in any situation, God, I'm bringing this request. Why? Because God wants to move in your life. And there's not a single part of your life that he doesn't want to touch, that he's not aware of, that he can't bring breakthrough in. Next is this, ask him to reveal the places in your life that need attention. Ask God to search you because you have a bias and your bias is for yourself. You're always going to be your best and worst critic, right? You're going to be really hard on yourself and then you're going to cut yourself some slack, Right? You know what I'm talking about. You're going to be really hard on yourself, and then your mind's going to get into this mode where you're going to go, 
actually, it's not that bad. I'm all right. God, would you search me? Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I tell you what, when you ask God to search you, guess what he's going to do? Man, he's going to shine a big honking light right on the areas that you know need attention. God, search me. Notice that this comes before reading the word of God. And then ask him to quicken your heart, mind, and spirit as you turn to the word. I love this word, quicken. Quickening is something that's static, that needs to be, uh, there needs to be some energy and some movement, some awareness to be heightened in the senses. And that the Holy Spirit will quicken our hearts, our minds, and our spirit to receive. Because sometimes, quite frankly, we're just dull. Especially in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? My mind is dull. My spirit is dull. I'm not noticing things. I'm not picking up on things. I need another cup of coffee. Holy Spirit, would you quicken me? Would you stir up my spirit to receive? And we move on to the R, which is read. Now, by the way, this is stuff that I, I developed this, this. I came up with this. If It's not some kind of formula, all right? I'm giving you some pointers, some things, some tools, right? This is not like, hey, you have to do this in this order. This is, this is not, right? I'm using scripture to back this up, but I think there's some principles that we can use. But don't, take, don't leave going, well, do I, now I have to go do it exactly the way. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that this is helping me in my walk with the Lord, and I'd love to see this help you a little. So we read, and I just got done preaching on the power of the word in our unstuck series. If you want to hear more about that, because I could spend a lot of time here and we don't have that time, but uh, you can hear that thriveglendor.org or on uh, on uh, iTunes. You can listen to the podcast. But the power of God, uh, the power of the word of God to change us is magnificent. That His words, His truth, His rhema. His rhema word, the word in the moment that will meet the needs that we have. Never, There's never been a day where I've come to the word of God and gone, wow, that just doesn't really apply. There's nothing for me there. Most days I'm walking away going, oh my gosh, how did God know? Knowing that he knows everything, right? But there's still just that, oh, God knew I needed to read that today. And so we read. I encourage you to use a plan. We use the solid life reading plan. I need a plan. Otherwise, I'm just haphazard. My thinking, I'm all over the map, right? I'm that guy that I'll be working on one thing in this room, and I'll need something in the other room. And I'll walk out, and by the time I get there, I'm like, what was I coming to get? And then I go back into the other room, and I forget the project I was working on in the first place. If you come and see my garage, you'll understand. I need a plan to keep me on track because there's too much happening in this head for me to just try and stay and try and, try and maintain some kind of course. A plan is great because it helps us to see the thread throughout Scripture and how Scripture ties together Old Testament, New Testament. 
By the way, a plan will get you into some parts of Scripture that you've never read before, right? Because it's always easy when I pick up my Bible, well, I'll just read a proverb today. That's awesome. Proverbs, amazing. But there's some other things happening in Scripture. I'll just read the Gospels. I'll just default to the words of Jesus because, right, let me find the, the letters in red. I'll just read the stuff in red. But there's so much that every word in Scripture is God-breathed and is useful in your life. So use a plan. Next is this. Listen while you read. Listen while you read. Because I know about you, but there's days where I'm like, okay, let me just get through this. Let me get through this. Okay, how much more do I have to go? Okay, I'm almost there. This is not the goal of reading Scripture. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And if the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you in the middle of a chapter and you need to stop, stop. Listen to what God is speaking to you through his word. You just asked him to quicken you, to heighten your senses, to be ready to receive. So when he starts speaking, don't miss it. Listen while you read. I love this statement. You've heard me say this before. Don't just read the word. Let it read you. And don't skip over the things that are not fun and easy and make you feel good. Right? We get to the book of James and it's just like, man, I'm just going to get my behind kicked again. God's just going to take me to task again. But it's good. We need that. Don't just read the word. Let it read you. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, for the word of God is active and alive or alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. As you come to the word of God, God will fillet you lovingly, tenderly, but fillet nonetheless. And he will expose things in your life that you didn't know. Because remember, you just prayed, God, would you test me? Would you show me what's really going on inside of me? Would you expose anything inside of me that needs attention? When you come to the word, his word says, yeah, I'll do that. And he fillets us, he lays us open, and he says, okay, now let's deal with the stuff we need to deal with. Psalm 119, 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That this is life for us. And then simply take note of what stands out. It's a good idea to have a notebook or an iPad or a computer. I use Evernote. I love Evernote. I keep all my, my journaling and, my, uh, and my, my, my notes in Evernote because I can access it easily. Some of you need, like, I need a piece of paper to write on. If there's no ink or pencil hitting the page, I've not really done my time, my, my devotions, right? Um, whatever works for you. But here's what I know. If you're not writing it down, you're not remembering it. If you're not writing it down, you're not remembering it. And then you can't go back to it and recall the promises that God spoke to you I love going back and looking at old journal entries, old, old things that I wrote a year ago, two years ago. Wow, look at what God was speaking to me there, and look how far I've come. Look what God has done in my life from that time to this. Write things down, and you can just have a note piece of note paper and just make notes of what God is speaking, bullet pointed or whatever it needs to be, but write down what you're hearing. 
We use a, we've been using the SOAP method, Scripture Observation, Application, and Prayer. Pastor Wayne Codero developed that uh, at New Hope Church, and uh, we have four square churches and around the, the world that are using that method now. And if that's something you use, continue to use that. What it, what's happening in the passage here? What do you see? What's the truth that God is speaking to you? Take note of what stands out to you. Step three is this, E, engage, engage. Write what you learn. Write what you learn. Write it down. There's even something about writing it out, the process of writing that commits things to memory. Write it down so you can go back and reference it to, to, to uh, later in the day. Next is this, apply it to your life. How does what I've just read actually apply to my life? It's good practice, and that's part of what the SOAP reading plan does, the application. How does this apply to my life? But this is the thing that's been missing for me. Write out some action steps for today. Write out some action steps for today. Between what I prayed and what I've read and what what. Holy Spirit is speaking to me right now, how can I live this out? And write it out. Why? Because there's accountability in that. Even if it's just accountability to yourself. Lord, today, I need to make sure that the, the words I use in speaking to my wife are uplifting and kind and not harsh. And that takes it from being theoretical to being very practical Right, Because I can see how something applies in my life, but not actually apply it. But if you write out action steps, make it a to-do list, today I will, and start putting action to what you're reading. James 1, 22 through 25, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. He goes on to say in verse 25, that the person who does this will be blessed in everything that they do. Do what it says. There's action that has to flow out of what you're reading. And then finally, the fourth P is pray. Is pray. Well, we, you already said pray. Yep, I did. But we pray again. We pray again. Why? Because... There's something that's just happened in me reading the word that's changed my perspective, that's changed my heart, that's shined a light into places that were dark in my life. And so when we pray, here's what we do first is we repent. We repent. I added on there, resist the devil, right? James says, resist the devil and he will flee. See, but here's the thing. I don't like having a conversation with Satan. I just want to focus on Jesus. And so when I repent, what I'm saying is, Lord, there's parts of my life that are not surrendered to you. They're surrendered to the other guy. And we have to be careful about this. We can speak and we can rebuke the enemy. But there are some people who just get kind of out into left field and all they're ever doing is rebuking Satan and never talking to Jesus. It's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. 
And so I don't want to get into a dialogue with Satan. I just want to go, God, there's places of my life that are not surrendered to you. I declare that Satan has no hold on this, that he is not in control of my life, that, that, that my passions, my desires, my eyes, my thoughts, my mind, it all belongs to you, Jesus, and that he has no place. That's resisting the devil. And he must flee. And don't be surprised if that what was a concern in the front end of your prayer when you first started, God, I've got this concern, becomes a conviction by the time you close in prayer. Because so often the things I'm concerned about are really prideful. And God goes, you're all concerned about that, but have you considered? And the only response I have is to repent before God. Say, God, I'm sorry. This is all happening in a matter of 20 minutes. So we have to pray. We need to ask the Holy Spirit and invite the Holy Spirit to empower us. Holy Spirit, I've just read some things that are changing my life. Would you empower me today to walk this out, not in my strength, but in your strength? And the asking is important. Because God is a gentleman. And he doesn't impose himself. He's waiting for that invitation. And then finally, this morning, keep praying throughout the day. See, the reason I like the word prep is this, that doing your devotions isn't an end unto their own. That doing this in the morning, prepping for your day, sets the tone. It opens the dialogue that then says, God, I'm going to continue praying. And would you continue to speak to me out of your word? Would you continue to minister me? Holy Spirit, would you continue to, to convict me and, and direct my steps so that my time with God doesn't become this, oh, I just, I did that already today, right? Have you done your devotions? Already oh, did my devotions today. Yeah, but have you talked to God the rest of the day? No, not really, that's not a relationship. That's not intimate. That's not close. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will. See, I wake up at 100 miles an hour. God goes, would you slow down for a minute, and would you let me reveal to you and show you how I want this day to go, how I want that conversation to go, and maybe it's not that person that needs to do the changing, it's probably you, and maybe your perspective needs to change on that circumstance or that situation or that financial issue. But if I start my day by prepping and saying, God, just would you get me ready to hear your voice all day long, that by the time we lay our head on the pillow that night, that there would be such a peace and a strength and a joy that would follow us through that day. Church, this is the kind of encounter that God wants to have with you on a daily basis. He doesn't care about you checking the box. Or saying, I got it done. And can I just tell you real quick, this is not something that pastors have figured out. In fact, 
it becomes a struggle for me because I'm having conversations with people all day about God. Talking about God is not the same thing as talking to God. And we can fall into this trap where we think we've been spiritual and had time with the Lord because we had a conversation about Him. And He's saying, would you just spend some time with me? Would you prep for your day in the presence of God? Can we stand together as the worship team comes? I want to reiterate, the goal of this is not to be a burden for you to carry. It's an invitation. It's a tool. It's a resource. If this works for you, use it. If it doesn't, that's fine. You may already have something in place in your life that helps you. I just know from my perspective as a pastor and talking with people that for so many, they don't and we don't. And so would you meet God no matter what it looks like, even if it's five minutes in the morning when your feet hit the floor and say, Lord, would you be the Lord of my life today? Would you direct my steps, magnify him, honor him, give him glory and bring him to that forefront place in your life? Father, this morning, I'm thankful that you're a God that's near and not far, that you desire to be close to us and for us to be close to you, and that you've made the way possible for exactly that to happen, that you're not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek, but you've revealed yourself to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would lay a hold of you every day, that we would spend that time with you every day, that we would gaze upon your majesty every day and that it would set the tone for our days slow us down holy spirit so that we can receive from you this morning if if you've never given your life to jesus christ if you've never invited him to be the lord of your life to be your king to be your savior if you're hearing the words i've been speaking today and you're going i I want that for my life. That sounds good. How do I have that kind of relationship with, with God? Which well, is really easy. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouths that, uh, that, that Jesus died. Believe in our hearts that God ra ra raised him from the dead. And that if we will do those things, that God will save us, that we will be saved that we would put our faith and our hope and our trust in him. If that's you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never invited him to be the Lord of your life, we never want to miss an opportunity to give someone a chance to come to the Lord. If that's you today, without anyone looking around, all heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But if that's you, I'd love to agree with you. Would you simply raise your hand high so I can see and I can just be in agreement with you. Anyone this morning, you'd say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just simply raise your hand just so I can be in agreement with you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Father, this morning I ask as we move into a new week, I pray that this week would not be the same as last week. God, I pray that this Monday would be different to every other Monday as we spend time in your word and in your presence. Speak to us, Lord. We want to be close to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Death could not hold the veil tore before.
We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord.